Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Hi, and welcome to Canada's podcast. I'm your host, Celine Williams, and today I'm joined by Brady McDonald, who is not here with his wife, Christy, as she has just had a baby. Congratulations. Very exciting. But Brady and Christy uh, started investing in real estate in 2015 and have since built multiple companies, purchased over 120 properties, and have helped hundreds of Canadians acquire wealth through their real estate joint ventures and educational programs. Brady, thank you for joining, especially with a new baby. Very exciting. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, very excited to be here. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to becoming an entrepreneur. What got you started, why you decided to do it, just how you came to be an entrepreneur and running this business. Sure. Yeah. So I think it, honestly, like it, like I, I was obviously I was an employee for years, but like the, the actual entrepreneurial period, uh, I, I believe started when I was a young kid. So like back when I was 11 years old, I started Brady's lawn care and snow removal, and it was purely out of the necessity to actually pay for my hockey. So our family didn't have a whole lot of money, and it was like a little bit of a divorce scenario where you know nobody's paying. So I'm just like I just knew that I had to solve the problem. So I started Brady's lawn care and snow removal, and I'd be shoveling snow at five o'clock in the morning three city blocks, you know, I'd write little invoices. I remember it was $6.40 minimum wage. And so I, you know, so I realized like, you know, if I find the work and put in the effort, I can be compensated and I can really get what I want. So, um, you know, and obviously that was when I was much younger. And then uh, later on, I, I ended up working for Hydro One as a utility arborist and then a utility arborist instructor. And, and once I learned those skills, I, again, quickly adapted to, okay, how can I, you know, do this for myself. So I started a uh, town and country tree service, um, you know, and utilize, you know, a lot of the beginner type marketing where we did flyers for certain areas where, you know, where there's like, there's large trees and there's some money uh, and, um, you know, and, and did signs like really low, low expense marketing. And, and so I would do that every night after work, um, work, you know, work 10 hours a day. And I do that until dark and then every, you know, on the weekends. You know, and that again created the, the the extra income for us to live the lifestyle that we wanted, right? And and so we didn't have to always worry about you know money or you know going here, doing that, or having a boat. Um, so we, I always had that side hustle, even when I was making good income. And then it got to the point where um, you know I, my career, my was um, you know with a corporate career, right? And it got to the point where I was kind of at. I was starting to feel restricted and slowed down in my progression. You know, my ideas weren't going, like I didn't have the ability to grow that idea, right? So, and, and we were also pregnant with our first daughter. And so my wife and I started thinking about, okay, what can we do? Like we, we started feeling trapped, right? What can we do to, you know, to do something more? What, what can we, you know, so we started looking at all different types of ideas, researching it on the internet, buying franchises, buying land and developing storage units. And, Etc. And and uh, you know, in this exploratory process, you know, my wife ran into a guy who was a full-time real estate investor, and and you know, the guy had uh, about forty-four duplexes, and it was like mind blowing. My wife came into me in the car. She like, and this is kind of when we were looking for that opportunity, and it was she's like, well, you wouldn't believe it. This guy does this, and I'm like, and I literally wrote down what the opportunity was, and I did, I did his map on how many you know how much cash flow mortgage pay down and and appreciation and wealth he was creating for those properties. And it was like a light bulb, right? And what I, I you know, I think I'm, firm, I'm a firm believer. It's like, we just don't, we don't know what we don't know. 
And like, unless you're exposed to a potential opportunity, you don't really know that, you know, that that's a good idea or that's a potential goal or that would be a good fit for you, for you. Right. So anyway, once I realized that was it, it was like, Hey, I set a goal. Right. And it's like, Hey, I want to do that. Right. And how do I do that? Well, um, you know, we, we break that big goal into smaller goals and then into like people I need to talk to and books I need to read. And then we literally started checking off those smaller tasks to get to the big goal. And yeah, and that's essentially how, you know, and we started growing the business to, to what we have today with the job, et cetera. So it's, I mean, it sounds like you have always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit in you. And it sounds like maybe your wife has as well. So that the, and I might be wrong, your wife is obviously not here right now, but that coming together, I think is a really interesting partnership, right? Because I, I think it would be very different if you were entrepreneurial and she wasn't or vice versa for something like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Christy totally has that in her as well. She was actually um, a real estate appraiser uh, in Ontario. So, but she had a, she had a job working for, you know, somebody doing commercial appraisals and, and this is again right around the same time that we that we kind of had these ideas that we wanted to do something more, and I think actually just she came off mat leave or she was about to go off back into like into the workforce after mat leave, and it's like hey, what you have two options? You go back and you know, type for you know literally she has one arm, she lost her arm in a boating accident, so she could literally do that for eight hours, or why don't we start BK you know real estate appraisals? And so there's two options. And it was always like, hey, well, again, who do we need to talk to? We talk to the, these appraisers and how, how do we get on these lists? And, and, and again, it was really quickly. And, and she's, um, she, we kind of uh, complement each other's personalities because I'm very idea like, like, and she can put the glue together and pick up the pieces behind me. Right. So if I kind of, if I had the vision and the map of the plan, she's very good at implementing it and getting the little details done. And, and so, yeah, she took it upon herself and, and nailed that. And, and so she did that for a couple of years, probably three years until again, and it was still kind of a job. I mean, yeah, she was her, an owner operator, but nonetheless, still like just a solopreneur uh, with a couple employees, but no, it was very, she's very tied to it. And then that's where, again, this other business, uh, the real estate investing kind of got her out of that. And so she could focus you know, more on the real estate side and, and grow it. Very cool. I love that. I love that you both had, so two things. I love that you've had both very different paths and come together and found this place that you can work, create this business together, create your life together. I'm sure there's unique challenges in, in being married to your business partner. Totally going to ask you about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, but I also think you hit on something that's really important. And that is that finding a business partner probably also a life partner, but someone who, if you are going to be growing and scaling your business, which you, which you have obviously done, having someone that complements your skill set as opposed to duplicates it is really important. And it's super challenging for people because we're more immediately, it's easier to get along with someone who thinks the same way that we do, right? It's, it's far less friction than if it's someone who's like, okay, hold on, how do we actually implement that idea, Brady? What are we going to do about it? Hundred percent. You know, and I could agree more. Um, you know, we talk about this like if we're speaking or you know just talking about scaling business in a whole and and, and real like because people like say somebody wants to re replicate what we've done and and having a partner for one is like I don't know how you you could do it without you could still do it but I think it's just it's a lot of work that'd be a lot of work. But then and to your point, like I I'm not good at the things she does because I don't like it and and vice versa. 
and like my personality is here and hers is much more mellow and 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 actually very so we totally complement each other and we don't do the same roles in the in the job in the within the business right because because then you ultimately you have two leaders spreading the entire company it's a lot easier right you can't be perfect at everything perfect <laughs> that's actually never. yeah you can't be good at everything right that's just a fact so you know, try to stick to what you're good at. Generally, if you're good at it, you're going to enjoy it, which makes, you know, business and life a lot better, et cetera. But I, we, I was, we actually just kind of, uh, add on to that. So we're, we were about to start another business. So when I'm, when I'm starting this, uh, venture with this particular person, I, and I don't know this person very well. I did, we did, um, uh, a personality test. It was the desk assessment. Yeah. And so he did it. I did it. And I'm like, wow, this is like 10 out of 10. So I'm like, so Christy, my wife reads this, right? And she's like, oh yeah. Oh no. She, she said something. I, I asked, I said, Hey, what do you think about this person's uh, personality compared to mine? I'm like, it's pretty accurate, right? She, and it was so, so like um, her comment was so um, not, not trusting or whatever. Right. Right. And, and uh, she was, she was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, or yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Or something like that, right? And I'm like, okay, you need because then that annoys me because that's again my personality. So I'm like, you need to do the business aspect. And it was, so anyway, we both did it. It's probably something we should have done a long time ago because we're very accurate. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you when you identify what your strengths are, and you know what the gaps are as well. But when you when you identify what the strength what your strengths are, and you can operate from that place confidently, it changes everything. Right. So the fact that you are clear on what your strengths are and Christy's clear on what her strengths are lets you build a really strong partnership and create a business that you can scale. In. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and, and I also think like acknowledging what you're not good at is probably equally as important, especially like, you know, when you are starting a business, there's going to be certain things in the business that or, or in starting and growing a business that you're not good at, that you don't like. So acknowledging that and just knowing that you need to either, especially if you're doing this by yourself, that you need to put extra effort into to doing those things well or hiring the support to do those things, right? Because the reality is, is if, if, you, if you don't like it, you know you're not good at it or you're not good at it and you still do it, it you know, it's going to affect the business, right? So, um, you know, you can really try to align yourself with the right people to make sure that, you know, that you have the highest chance of success while you start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to ask about some of the challenges of working with your life partner as well as business partner. Um, but I do want to also, after that, have you explain a little bit about how your business operates today. But because we were talking about being married to your business partner, what are some of the challenges that come with that? Because there are definitely, we do have listeners that are in family businesses of some sort or are interested in doing this. So what are the like benefits and challenges that come with it as someone who has done it successfully? Yeah, thanks. Um, the benefits, well, okay. So again, it, I'm different than most people. I would say like, well, my wife probably finds it more difficult than I personally do because I'm just so involved. I just, I, I could talk about business all day long because it's what I love. It's like, you know, like a lot of people like to talk about sports. I don't like talking about sports. I want to talk about growing business and ideas and stuff. Right. But I mean, one of the challenges is for sure you find yourself just talking about it and not, not other things, you know, um, you talk about business a lot. You talk, you take it to you take it home, you take it on vacation, right? That is, that is probably one of the downsides. And then obviously, when you have a group of staff, 
And there is some bickering sometimes goes on, at least with us. I maybe not everybody does that. And somebody can get along perfectly well. But anyway, you know, there certainly is complications. But you, you, ultimately, you do need to compromise. It's just like anything, right? But because it could probably get out of, out of hand if, if you're not careful. It, could, it can be sensitive. And, and I guess it probably ultimately depends on each person's personalities. But like, I'm a very, you know, like very strong forward uh, person and I'm just ideas and I want things to go fast. And with Christy's not, she, right. And so um, anyway, it's just really working together, not pushing her too much, realizing that, right. Uh, because otherwise it's just going to stress out not only the business, but the, the household. Those are probably the only challenges really should probably have a few more um, <laughs> to, to add to the list. But I think that, you know, and, and, and honestly, so I work with Christy, uh, but also my brother's project manager, renovation manager. Uh, my sister was worked for us. We've done lots of joint ventures with family as well. You know, I think, you know, the reason it works well is because we treat it like business, right? This is so if there is, you know, conversations and agreements done, then it, it is done just like the same way I would. Like, let's say for some, for example, I joint venture with you or joint venture with my parents. You know, everybody does the same thing. The, the process to get them from A to B is the exact same. It's the same agreements, the same due diligence, the same education phase, the same communication. It's not, you know, my mom would actually get mad uh, when she did a couple deals with us and say like, because it's so business. <laughs> She's like, I want my son back. Like, no, like, love you, mom. XOXO. It's just like, because it's just very business. Like, it's just, it, but it helps define the boundaries of what you're doing. So yeah, we've we, you know we're very we've got family throughout and friends that we've dealt with, and and uh, I think just treating it like business is, and and just rem- remembering that like you know and, and and so if it's written down, it helps, right? You can't can't rely on somebody's word or remembering something, right? So I think those are a couple couple things that uh, that we help that we do to make sure that we're we stay within and we don't become you know family conflicted. It sounds like uh, you use the word boundaries a few times, and it sounds like both for you as partners in life and business, but also the joint ventures that you do, that boundaries is really important. Recognizing them, setting them, respecting them, and that helps it stay in the arena where whatever happens in business isn't personal, which I think is what the challenge often is when you're, whether it's working with your wife or doing business with family or friends, is that it becomes personal. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly it. And then, then also it's really about setting expectations, right? And, and trying to do that well ahead before there's a scenario where somebody is un, in the, you know, not really knowing. If you, if, you, if you can clearly set expectations, communicate it very well and make sure that everybody's educated in, in all types of different outcomes, then, you know, when those outcomes happen, it's not blindsided and they're not as emotionally, you know, you're not going to be as emotionally attached to, the potentials. It's it's really interesting you say that because because the work that I do, I talk about expectations a lot, and there's a lot of chatter right now around the idea that expectation. I'm totally going to kill this, but the idea that expectations are toxic and they create, you know, they they are the things that create ex, that create the issues is having expectations. And I always think, to me, that's insane because we have expectations either we acknowledge them and we set them and we're clear about them or they're ghost expectations that drive us in really toxic ways. And what you're saying is, yeah, they're real. We set them, we're clear about them. And that's what makes us successful. A hundred percent, hundred percent. 
Um, so I'm going to pivot a little bit. I want to know a little bit about your business. You mentioned joint ventures and you mentioned, you mentioned some of the work. So for people who might be interested in real estate investing, can you tell us a little bit about how you do it? And obviously you're many years into the journey of doing it. So what it looks like for you now, and then how someone could potentially get started if they're like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Where might I start even thinking about this as a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is, you know, it's exciting because there are going to be some people listening on here that didn't realize that you could be a full-time real estate investor or that, you know, just like I was with that car that day when I was in the car driving to Christie to, you know, the appraisal. And then I was just like mind blown. Right. So, yeah. So basically, you know, so there's many different strategies when you're looking at real estate investing. You could buy, you know, a condo. That's kind of like a strategy. You could flip houses where you buy buy property, renovate it to increase its value, and sell it as quick as you can for profit. Um, you know, you could invest in mortgages. Really, really is real estate investing as well. So, but our strategy is um, it's called a BRRRR. B R R R R. Buy, renovate, rent, and repeat. Refi, rent, and repeat. So you buy the property. And then we renovate it. So we renovate, generally speaking, what we do is we always renovate it from a single family home into a duplex or a triplex. So, and then once it's renovated, we go back to the bank, say, hey bank, we've now made this single family home into a triplex. The value has gone from 400,000 up to 700,000. We'd like to get a new mortgage and we'd like to get so a new 80% uh, loan to value mortgage. So when we do that, that mortgage, the money that comes back to us from the bank at the refinance process pays for all the renovation money as well as a lot of the down payment, okay? So, um, you know, for example, if we bought it for 400, refinanced it for 700,000, maybe we might only have like 20 or $30,000 left of our own capital in that house, in that property, and then we rent it out. So that was the buy, renovate, refi, and then we're gonna rent it. So then we rent all three, prop uh, three units out, three apartments out, and uh, which that creates cash flow, right? So. Um, if, for example, if you rent it for $5,000, all of the units are for $5,000 and our expenses are $4,000, then that means that we would get $1,000 a month cash flow. And the nice thing about real estate investing is that you make money in multiple ways. So that would be one way is cash flow. The other way would be that the tenants are actually paying down the mortgage every time they make a rent payment that, that pays a portion of the principal down in the mortgage. So you're making uh, wealth and, and money there, as well as in appreciation. So hopefully the property is going up in value. And generally speaking in Ontario, it has for a long time. And, you know, there is blurbs and, and hiccups there, but, you know, the goal is to hopefully buy in a market where it is appreciating, going up in value. So you could also make money in, in that way. So, that's a that's our strategy in a nutshell. Nutshell. So we buy single family home, renovate them to triplexes, refinance it, get all, most of our money back, and we buy more. So um, and what we do is we do this with utilizing joint ventures. So we collaborate with people that have capital, have the ability to qualify for mortgages, but they don't have the time, they don't have the expertise, they don't want to deal with toilets, they don't want to deal with tenants, but they realize that there's value and the, they realize the benefits of investing in real estate, right? Most billionaires, I forget, there's a quote, something about billionaire, so many, most of the billionaires or millionaires make a lot of their wealth in real estate. So um, it's a very safe asset to invest in. So what we do with joint ventures is we partner with them. So that person that has the capital for the purchase, has capital for the renovations, and also qualifies for the mortgage, they lack, for lack of a better term, the money part, right? And then they joint venture with us, the experts. So we find the, find the property, we negotiate it, 
And then we, uh, and then we would offer it to our investors and when we would join venture on it. So now we're going into this together. Our, our team, BK, our, our BK staff, we renovate that property into that triplex at cost, right? With our in-house staff. And then once it's refinanced, we would, once it's done and we refinance it, we would give the investor back all their renovation money back and as much of that capital or purchase money as possible. So again, that investor might only have 20 or 30 grand left in the deal. And then we rent the property out and we split the cash flow. So with their 50, 50 joint ventures. So for their 50, 50%, they're putting in the money and being the money partner. And for our 50%, we're doing all the work. Uh, and then we split the cash flow 50-50. We split the appreciation and the mortgage pay down 50-50. And, and at the end of the day, when, it, when let's say we sell it in five years, the, if, the, if the investor had any capital left in the deal after refinance, they would get all that money back first. And then we split it 50-50. So it's really collaborating with people, making win-win uh, situations and really ultimately trying to achieve each other's goals where we otherwise couldn't. That's really interesting. That's a really cool strategy. I'm going to ask. I, so if someone is hearing this and going, that sounds really cool. How much money would I need to get started in a joint venture with you? Like, what does that look like? What would that look like? I'm asking this because I'm not going to backtrack to someone who doesn't have that kind of money. So, just, <laughs> so if someone's like, what would that look like? A couple hundred thousand dollars? Like, what would I need to approach Brady and say, that sounds cool. How do I get into real estate investing with you? Yeah. 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 So for the properties, again, it's all really based on, so our strategy, we do the same thing over and over and over again. So that way we remove a lot of the risk and then the numbers are very predictable. So generally speaking, the, the purchase is about 90 to a hundred thousand and the renovated say 150,000. So round up $250,000 and that would, that would um, purchase the property as well as renovate the property. Got it. And yeah, so generally, and then when we refinance it, they'd likely get it all back you know, maybe leave 30 grand left in the deal and then we'd rent it. Yeah. Perfect. So if I'm hearing this and I'm like, I want to do this when I have $250,000, but I don't have that yet. So what can I do? Like, what would you advise someone if I'm a listener thinking that to start to learn more about the different strategies or real estate investing in general, if they're if they're at the point where they could, that they could work with you, great. But if they're like way at the beginning and they're just like, this sounds so cool. I want to do that in three years when I have the money, what can they do to get to that point? Yeah. So the first thing that we, that we always do, so there's a, there's, how do you get started in investing in real estate? Number one is educating yourself. That's the first step. And educating yourself is not expensive in real estate investing. You know, so there's lots of good, great Canadian books. Um, Don Campbell has the, the, okay, I only read one or two real estate investing books. And I, then I, I knew that I, I felt like it was enough to get started. One is, is uh, real estate investing by Don Campbell, real estate investing in Canada by Don Campbell. So it's a really, it's a really good bit, book. It talks about the basics. You know, there's a, there's a million of a million. There's lots of podcasts, um, that you can also listen to. And the no, the, the most important thing about your education process is making sure that it's Canadian based. Because there's big, there's different, uh, there's lots of American content, but what happens in the United States is not what happens here with regards to financing, the types of deals and the strategies that work cross borders. So, you know, educating is the first thing because, you know, when, we just told you that there's an opportunity. Okay. So there's a lot of opportunity to really create the life you, that you want for you and your family. You don't have to do it with us though. You can do it by yourself, you know, and it doesn't take 120 properties. It could take three if that's your goal. So educating yourself is, is, is one of the most important things. Number two is setting goals. 
like if your goal is to like, why would you want to invest in real estate? So is it, what does that ideal life look like? And is it an amount of money? Is it things you want to do with your family? Right? So if you picture your ideal life, like do a vision board. Honestly, I think that's one of the most empowering things that you can do. And once you know what your ideal life looks like, well then that's the, that's the goal. So how, what can we do today to get closer to that goal? So is three properties in five years, the goal. Okay, perfect. So what's the strategy? That's the next thing we need to talk about. And the, so you educate yourself, you get to pick a strategy relatively soon into this education journey. Um, and, and also you need to pick an area. So, cause what you're trying to do is you're, you want to become an expert in the strategy in the area, right? And while you're educating yourself. Okay. So, you know, picking a strategy and, and really you're going to be talking about your, you know, the, you know, the things that you're good at and the things that you're not right. How much time do you have to devote into this? Are, is renovations going to be your thing or is, or is it not right? So then you're going to start to determine, okay, well, yeah, I, I want to be the expert because I've got all this time and these skills and the care, or I don't want to be the expert and hold on, let's, you know, figure out other more passive ways to invest. Right. So that, that education journey could take you anywhere. Right. But it's also, you're going to do some self-realization, setting the goals and, and, you know, realistically looking at, at it from a, from a checklist standpoint. Okay. What, what do we do today to get us closer to the goal tomorrow? Well, and I think that's a really important piece of it because everyone's different, right? So this strategy works for you and it might work for a lot of our, but there might be people listening who are like, I really want to invest in real estate, but I don't like that. That doesn't sound right to me because it doesn't for whatever reason, but if they're not clear on what they ultimately are working towards it, they're never going to figure out the right thing. You're not, you're going to be jumping from thing to thing or uncertain or not committed because you don't know what the ultimate, what your vision is, what the outcome you're looking for is. So I think that's a really important piece that you're suggesting people do in this process. Yeah, for sure. Because ultimately like your goals are going to drive, you know, like again, there's so many different ways to invest in real estate. Like if we, if we do all single family flips, well, that's not necessarily going to create generational wealth. If that's what is something you want to do for your kids. Right. And if, but if you do need cash flow today, because that is your goal to quit your job, well, then these are the strategies you probably might, you might want to consider flipping, but you also, you know, like, want, like the investment, like more in cash flow, cash flowing assets. So yeah, goals is, you know, going to be paired right along with education. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's really important. So I want to ask this question What have been the biggest challenges that you've faced, you know, as an entrepreneur or specifically in, the work that you do? Yeah, the, the, the large challenge is probably getting out of the, like the do it all, my, do it, doing it all myself mindset, right? It was that transition from like doing all the renovations myself and, and honestly taking that first step. My first employee was my brother. That, so that was scary in its own. But just like anytime you, you, you take a step from, you know, what you're doing to the next thing, it's, there's, there's a level of risk involved. But it's always the scariest part, right? But the weird thing about um, you know anything realistic, like, like you know, anytime you're progressing or moving forward, it's always scary. The next step's always scary. Realistically, it was once you do it, you didn't even realize you did it, right? It's like you, it was scary just to think about it, not to actually do it. So, but that was probably the you know those are there's been some certain times in the in the growth of the business where we had to stick our neck back out to get there. Right. And whether it was hiring that first employee, the second employee, the third employee. And honestly, but like the, the, like to scale the business or to grow a business and, and as well as not be tied to the business and not create it like your self made prison, it requires people. 
So what we realized, and one of one of the things that we learned right away was that holy, if we're if we got if we if we're going to be bringing people on and creating jobs, then we also need to systematically do this and, and systemize the business. Though that was probably the scariest thing, but one of the biggest lessons that are probably the one of the you know one of the things that I'm very thankful for that we did, and that I would highly recommend that most entrepreneurs do or all entrepreneurs do is is do whatever you do, whatever you're doing, try to systematically do it. Try to create a system so it can be repeated. Because, you know, especially if you want to grow your business, if you, unless you want to just do it all yourself, right? Uh, and be a solopreneur, then that's fine. You can do it all. But if you want to grow your business, then, you know, if, if you're buying property, for an example, what I would do, what I always did is I know how to buy property. But if, I, if I'm going to have somebody else go, I, I created a checklist in the spreadsheet where it made sure it, it hit these certain... The lot sizes, the room sizes, it, it identified the furnace age and the windows age. So that way we could hire an employee to actually do those tasks, do those roles with the, you know, and uh, with, with a certain level of due diligence and confidence, right? So, you know, systematically, you know, a business has systems. And, and I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, when they get started, they don't think that way. So I think that that's like one of my biggest pieces of advice is to, to when, when you're starting out right at the very start, systematically do things, create forms, create documents that can be repeated. I think that's really important. So I'm an entrepreneur, like as an entrepreneur, I'm not, uh, it's funny because I think in terms of systems, how things are connected and work together, but I hate process for myself. Like I don't, I'm a, I'm a natural rule breaker. And so I'm always like, just make that better. So yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying. Cause I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs or people interested in entrepreneurship who that's a challenge. It's really challenging to be like this, there's actual value in this process, spend the time doing it. And I think it's a good reminder that it's much, you can scale and grow without it, but it's so much harder if you don't have the processes explicitly laid out at the beginning. Yeah. And I think I was just thinking that, yeah, I agree. Like I, I was just thinking about like, that's interesting that you're like that. Cause I'm like that too. The, but the reason I know I knew that that was right was because again my previous work uh, was Hydro One. I was you know teaching people how to climb trees and not kill themselves like around Hydro Line. So it was very step by step by step by step by step. This is like how I create um, you know work procedures, and safe work practices, and inspections. So everything is done in a checklist and step by step, right? So I just obviously they do that for a reason. It's because generally. So yeah, generally speaking, people need it, right? So we transitioned that into our business because the reality is that you know the, our our employees and our team are not like us, right? The, you know, so they they a lot of people need that and they like that structure. So it doesn't mean that we need to follow it. It just means that we need to be able to help you know our team get to the results we want, and that and that's one of the ways to remove the risk of it not getting to where we want. Yeah. It's that translation of just because I know it doesn't mean everyone else is in my head. So if I create this thing, someone else can, can do this. And to your point, you can then step back, you can bring people on and have the confidence to not feel like they're not doing it my way, or I have to do it on my, all myself anymore. hundred percent. I really appreciate this conversation. I think it's going to be super interesting for our listeners. And I always like to ask, is there Anything that you would like to sign off with for our listeners or recommend to them or wrap up this conversation with? Because I think there's so much value inside of it. And I don't want to miss you having an opportunity to, to say something that you want to make sure you emphasize. 
<laughs> yeah, I wish that like I had some magical inspirational words, but I'm not that like I can't wordsmith that that's so strategic. But so for one thing I'm doing right now, I'm doing the 75 part. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like Dude, that's that's a whole other conversation we could have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm day 49 into this, right? You have to work out twice a day. One has to be outside, stick to a meal plan, read 10 pages of a book, drink a gallon of water, etc. It's very hard. And I was terrified to do it. That's the fact. It took me it took me probably four weeks to talk myself into do it. And, you know, no alcohol, no, you know, et cetera. And, and it, because it was such a, a just, my, my wife's like, there's no way you're going to do it. But because it was such a challenge, I knew it, I had to, because it was worthwhile because other people wouldn't or couldn't. Right. So I think honestly, like, I think people need to challenge themselves. If you, if you're not feeling, if, if you have a desire to do something and you're feeling scared, well, that's probably good. Right. Challenge yourself. And, and, you know, if you have an idea, research it, write it down, write it in goals. Like, honestly, like I've got, a, you know, a page of notes every single day. And, you know, I, we set goals all the time. And honestly, like goals and doing a vision board <laughs> is probably the one thing we do often, um, whether they're just for the, you know, for the week, for the, for the month or big goals, five-year goals. But like, because the reality, think about going on a road trip. If you, if you, if you want to go, if you're going on a road trip, and you don't know where, where you're going. How do you know to get there? Right. Life is the same way. Right. Like, so, and I always kind of go back to this idea of, um, like life by design. If you think about like how we actually, like, let's say if you want to become a doctor. Okay. Like, so back in high school, if you wanted to become a doctor, you knew that, okay, first step is that we got to finish high school with great grades. Second step is we've got to go to university and get good grades and we got to get into med school. After that, we know we need to do an internship and then blah, blah, blah. We know that step by step by step, but then you get into life and it's like, we just like fly by the seat of our pants. We're not setting goals. We're not purposely, purposefully doing anything, right? We just get caught up in living, being as adults. But why can't we, you know, reverse engineer our life to say, okay, our goal is this. Well, what do I need to do to get there? Well, I need to know I need to do this, 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 and this. Okay, today I need to call this guy because he's smart and he can help me with this. So I think honestly, I think that's my, that's my, my, what I'll leave with you. I think that's great. That's a perfect place to end it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brady. I really appreciate it. And I hope that, uh, I hope we get to speak again sometime. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me and uh, I can't wait to come back.